0: The free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store.
1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, you know, we often take time to reflect on those nations around the world where Christians are severely persecuted because they are faithful followers of Jesus Christ and oftentimes will reflect on things that are happening in the Middle East. Well, on a recent trip to the Middle East, Steve Krieger from CommunicateJesus.com, an author and a commentator when it comes to Christian life, he was one of the guests of Open Doors as they arrived in northern Iraq. Steve Krieger joining us now to talk about his experience. Hi, Steve. Welcome along to 2020.
0: It's great to be here. Thanks, Neil.
1: Steve, was this your first visit to the Middle East?
0: It certainly was. Um, I I really had no plans to go to the Middle East. I didn't have a a burning desire to travel to uh, Iraq or uh, any other uh, war-torn nation, but I got the invitation to go, and I couldn't say no. I really felt that this was God um, calling me to go and uh, um, experience uh, what persecuted Christians are going through and and to meet with them. Um, And so, yeah, I, I got on that plane and flew over to the Middle East, Uh, for a week with persecuted Christians.
1: Well, you'll know firsthand that you can't just get on a plane and arrive in northern Iraq and actually meet people who can reflect on the things that are really affecting communities there, persecuted Christian believers, but you've been able to travel with Open Doors and and a magnificent organisation and doing magnificent work with people there in northern Iraq and in Syria and other nations throughout North Africa and the Middle East. What was the main thing that you were struck by in meeting Christian believers who are severely persecuted for their faith?
0: Uh, it, was, it was a tremendous privilege to go there. And um, we, uh, as you mentioned, we were there as, as guests of, of Open Doors who work with um, partners on the ground in the Middle East uh, to support uh, persecuted Christians. Um, these are people who have um, fled their homes uh, from ISIS uh, and uh, left everything behind in many cases, um, who've seen family members um, killed or tortured or raped, Um, and who now live in very uh, basic conditions um, without really any hope, um, humanly speaking, uh, for this life, uh, for the future. Um, And yet, uh, these people who um, are solely being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus, um, they are completely unashamed to display this faith publicly. Uh, As one of the first things that struck me when I arrived is that Christians will have crosses hanging from uh, their rear view mirror in their car. They'll have a a cross uh, hanging from a flag on their balcony um, or they might have a a cross tattooed on their wrists. Everywhere you go, if there are Christians, they are boldly um, displaying their faith. Now, if there was anywhere in the world that you might think, here are some people who might be forgiven for being a little bit cagey uh, in displaying publicly their allegiance with Jesus. These would be the people. Um, Iraq is the country with the second highest levels of persecuted persecution uh, for Christians in the world today. Uh, but these people are unashamed. Um, they are not afraid. And they will tell everyone who wants to listen that they belong to Jesus. It's quite remarkable.
1: We'll talk some more about that, but just reflect for me for a few moments. And you mentioned that you've met people who know what it is to be persecuted by way of violence, uh, rape. Uh, You mentioned uh, those sorts of things and to meet Mm. people like that, a very humbling experience to know that people have lost family members uh, through violent executions. It's a dreadfully enlightening exercise to understand that this is the way that many Christians around the world are treated.
0: Exactly right, Neil. I think it's, um, it's difficult to process uh, in one level because their experience of, um, of cost when it comes to being a Christian is so different to mine and I'm sure uh, to many of us who live in the West, um, where following Jesus literally costs you everything. Um, following jesus isn't a matter of uh, convenience Uh, in fact uh, it is a cause of great inconvenience Uh, you many of these people uh, have lost uh, their homes uh, their jobs uh, their savings their clothes people fled uh, their homes from isis um, with um, literally hours uh, to spare people uh, ran away with not even the shoes uh, on their feet Um, and all of their dreams for the future that they had for jobs or holidays or education for their kids um, in a moment completely uh, disappeared. Um, and that persecution um, uh, is ongoing. They continue to live with the threat that ISIS may return to where they are now. Um, and that regardless of what happens with um, with ISIS and what might happen uh, to them physically, um, their circumstances have dramatically changed. They now live in very basic conditions, um, 50 degrees uh, in in the heat of summer, snowing in winter with intermittent um, electricity uh, to power heating and cooling, limited access to food um, and uh, very limited opportunities for employment. And this all comes simply because they say, I follow Jesus. If they didn't follow Jesus none of this um, suffering uh, would have come their way.
1: And when we reflect on the words of the Apostle Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. They're glowing with that sort of hope and expectation, uh, not being ashamed because they are aware of something a little deeper than we typical Aussies in a Western land might be thinking.
0: That's what is really striking, Neil, is that their experience of suffering uh, because of the name of Jesus has uh, drawn them closer to Him, has made them delight in Him, um, and has grown their love for Him. So we, um, uh, a friend, commented to me that in the West we see suffering as something to try and get rid of, um, to avoid. You know, we pray, oh, you know, get me out of this. I don't want to go through this. In in those countries where Christians are persecuted, suffering is seen as something that comes from God to draw us closer to God. Um, and in that uh, in that intimacy with God that is experienced um, in the midst of that suffering, they have a, a greater sense of pride, if that's the right word, um, or in their faith and in their God, um, and they are incredibly bold in their evangelism and in their desire to share him. Um, so it, it, suffering has had this remarkable effect, not only of refining their faith, not only of drawing them closer to God, but also making them uh, more active and more unashamed at proclaiming this faith. And I guess the um, uh, part of that is because um, suffering has taken away all worldly distractions, and... Um, Uh, and people said that to us they said before you know i was was a sunday christian i went to church on the weekend but i was just busy with work Um, and how many of us can relate to that kind of feedback but they said when all these things were taken away i only had god and now i love god more than i ever did uh, before Um, which is a great testimony um, of how god works all things uh, for good Um, but the challenge that I was left with was, you know, what does this look like for us in a country that has uh, very little uh, persecution, uh, very little uh, suffering? How can we have this uh, experience for ourselves?
1: What an amazing contrast when you think of the typical, and I'm speculating here a little bit, but the typical Australian attitudes which might appear to be that if a bit of suffering comes, we question whether God is even there. But it's opposite in the places like northern Iraq where Christians are undergoing dreadful persecution. Steve, stay with us. We'll continue our conversation in just a short while. Steve Krieger, our guest, back from a recent visit to the Middle East, northern Iraq. Steve from CommunicateJesus.com who was there as a guest of Open Doors. We'll continue our conversation in just a short while. We're hearing another first-hand experience of a visitor to the Middle East who's been in contact directly with Christian believers who are persecuted and have experienced an intensity of the sorts of violence that comes from organizations like ISIS and that persecution for Christian faith that can happen in a number of countries. But Steve Krieger, who's just back from the Middle East, he was a visitor to northern Iraq, Steve, as we reflect on the things that are happening in northern Iraq, the persecution that Christians are under, what sort of stories did you hear from believers who'd gone through dreadful atrocities?
0: After a while, to be honest, it becomes uh, a bit numbing. Uh, as we walk through um, the camps of internally displaced people, we would meet with um, uh, family after family and hear uh, their story um, uh, many of uh, these stories were about last-minute um, uh, fleeing from um, the arrival of ISIS. So, uh, um, on one particular evening back in 2014, ISIS came through the Nineveh Plain, uh, and more than 100,000 Christians fled, um, uh, many of them on foot, uh, that evening um, in search of safety. Um, and each of those families we met with had different stories um, of um, of suffering. Uh, of you know uh, you know leaving in the middle of the night, being nine months pregnant with um, you know three other children um, is a terrible experience to to go through uh, um, of people who had uh, loved ones um, who had been captured by ISIS and who had not heard from them in many months, um, others who had been uh, killed um, that story after story of people whose lives had been completely turned. Um, upside down um, and who now uh, live in um, these IDP camps um, in various parts of uh, Iraq um, while they wait and hope and pray that um, ISIS will be uh, expelled from their country and they can perhaps return one day to life as it was beforehand.
1: An IDP camp, an internally displaced person, is that what the IDP stands for?
0: That's right. So if people flee their homes, um, there have been all kinds of camps that uh,
1: um, are
0: really temporary settlements uh, with um, tents um, or basic demountable buildings that um, thousands of uh, Christians are now living in. Uh, sometimes when people first fled, they just uh, moved to the grounds of the local churches and churches um, in various parts of Iraq now house these um, Christians. Um Uh, often many hundreds of families in a very small uh, location, Um, they've come to those churches for safety. And one of the great encouragements from that uh, time in Iraq was just seeing how much um, churches from across um, denominations um, uh, had started to work together. And they said, you know, previously before ISIS, that, you know, they weren't united. Um, They, um, you know, were off doing their own things. They said ISIS did what they could never do on our... on their own. ISIS brought the church together Uh, and so you're seeing um, Christians from very different uh, backgrounds um, and denominations now uh, acting as one, caring for one another, seeing that um, uh, the leg is hurting and um, so the arm comes in to help and uh, actually being the body for each other Um, and that was one of the challenges for me uh, going on this trip as well but these are my brothers and sisters uh, who are Um, in Iraq and in many other countries around the world, Um, what will I do um, to help them? How will I uh, contribute to their needs? Uh, Because God has placed me here in Australia with um, tremendous uh, resources, resources I didn't really appreciate until I came back. And what will I use? How will I make use of these for these brothers and sisters?
1: And you've got these people living in these IDP camps and it's not a substitute for their regular home life. Uh, but I imagine that those people who are in those camps are making the best of a situation But and oftentimes they'll be receiving some sort of aid provision, but it's often not enough. And it pushes people to do all sorts of things that they would ordinarily not ever think of.
0: Exactly right, and I think you know, my heart broke. I've got you know two young children, and I saw families there with you know there's there's no nothing for the children to do. There's no school for them to to go to, and a uh, very limited toys for them to play with. And I thought, what if these were were my children? And that's the great pain that the parents there are experiencing because the the situation is extremely basic. Um, they rely on on aid, um, uh, from Christians, uh, around the world, um, for food and, um, uh, fuel and, uh, the, the things that we take for granted that are, that are needed for everyday survival. Um, but the standard of living is terrible. And what struck me, I, I think as well, which I'd never really thought about, uh, until actually meeting with these people is the lives that they lived before they fled were very similar to the life that I was. Um, they went to work, their kids went to school, they went to cafes on the weekends, they went to the movies, they went on holidays. They did normal stuff, the things that we would do. These aren't people who've kind of spent their lives, um, uh, you know, living, uh, you know, in a shed. Um, they had a life that is just like ours that in the moment had been taken away. Um, and I wondered, you know, what would, how would it go for me? You know, if that was my experience, if everything was taken away, how would I respond?
1: Steve is there an element of hope in people that you met and uh, I would imagine that not everybody that you met uh, was coming from a Christian base because there'd be people who are Muslims in those camps and receiving aid that's coming from Christian organizations as well and uh, Christian organizations don't discriminate when they're helping people Mm. who are really at their end. But is there a hope in people that somehow or other ISIS might be overcome, that somehow normal life might resume sometime in the future?
0: Uh, Look, I I think there would be a a small sliver of hope, uh, but um, it's certainly not uh, overwhelming. I think uh, what this situation has done is continue to point the Christians to um, uh, the hope that we have when Jesus returns and makes all things right. Uh, that one of the most difficult things to stomach was how um, hopeless uh, the situation seemed on a day-to-day basis. Uh, If you look to the future and you think, I don't know when I'll ever get a job, I don't think my kids will ever go to school, I don't think they'll ever have enough money to ever leave uh, this place, Uh, I'm not sure, you know, when or if I'll have enough food for next week. Um, It's a very um, difficult situation to be in, and there's nothing... uh, the future, in human terms, looks very bleak, but the hope that they have, the hope of eternal life, the hope that everything will be made right is very strong. Um, and to be honest, that's the thing that really keeps uh, them going, uh, and it's the only thing that can, can can keep them going because there is nothing materially um, that could sustain them that they can look forward to and say, oh, in, you know, next week or next month or next year, things will get better because there simply is no hope that that will happen
1: And, of course, people can support the work that's going on there, and it's not always so easy finding how you actually get some resources into the hands of people who can help, but Open Doors, a tremendous organisation, they've got some open opportunities to be able to put resources in the hands of the right people who can be a blessing to those people in those IDP camps, people who are Christian believers who are persecuted because of their faith in Christ. Uh, Just so great hearing your insights, Steve, and to hear about the people who are so prominently wearing those crosses and having crosses on their car rear vision mirror and crosses around the place, they are showing that they are Christians. And I suspect that in some sense, uh, that is an element of protection as well, because the encouragement of one another that, that Christ is and that those crosses are an important way of identifying one another as, as a part of Christianity. But, Steve, great getting your insights. I'll point people to Open Doors and also to CommunicateJesus.com, which is the website ministry of Steve Krieger, author and commentator on a whole host of issues to do with our Christian life. Steve, great talking to you. Thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. It's
0: been great. Thanks, Neil.